Scott McGee, welcome to the Trails Collective interview series. I've wanted to talk to you for a while. Um, you let me into your Crazy Race Twisted Branch a couple years ago, and I don't know what you were thinking about that. But uh, ever since then, you've been uh, A-plus in my book. So how are you doing tonight? I'm doing well. I appreciate you having me. I'm glad to be here. So what are you doing these days? No, no Twisted Branch next month. So uh, what are you planning for next year? Aria, what are you doing? Uh, yeah, um, that's tough. It was really, really hard decision to cancel the Twisted Branch. That was not an easy decision for us at all. Um, and I think I'm still a little bit sore from it. You know what I mean? Like I keep, things keep coming across. I was at the store the other day and I texted the team a picture of a bunch of watermelons because I'm like, <laughs> just you know what i mean it's all these little things that keep reminding me of uh of the twisted branch so i miss so that for anybody that doesn't know um scott mcgee is the rd for both twisted branch and and frozen branch yeah technically so, i think yeah um, so twisted branch is a um 100k in a beautiful part of the state it starts in naples new york and goes to what hammondsport hammondsport there's one store there and I knew that store very well. Um, and it's a beautiful course, very gnarly race, but also just so much fun. It's really like even more so than Kiyuga or Ian's races, which feel like family, like this feels like family. Um, and so with the pandemic happening, of course, um, they decided to cancel. And so, um, what finally made you guys decide to pull the plug? Because Ian's, because Cube is happening in a couple of days. Yeah, I think for us, um, there was a couple of uh, tipping points. I think one is um, right from the get go, I'm like, I'm going to make this happen. You know, by hook or by crook, we'll figure this out and we'll have it. And there's got to be a way to do it. We're already such a social distancing race as it is. Like so many people spend so much time by themselves. And what I found as I kept on going along through all my race planning was it was very easy to focus on keeping the runners safe. But the more we thought about the volunteers and all the things that we do the week of the race, uh, the morning of the race, during the race, cleaning up the race, it really became sort of, I kind of felt like I'm like, I'm starting to like lie to myself a little bit about can I actually do all that and keep volunteers um, you know, the goal is to keep volunteers away from non-essential risk, right? And so one of the things with our volunteers that kept coming back to us is that every year, it's just story after story of, I carried them out of high tour. I, you know, all these volunteers going way above and beyond. And it felt wrong to train the volunteers to not do that. Because, and so if we're not going to do that, then I feel like we were just going to be putting them into situations where they would be they would do what they would normally do. They would just jump right in and do something that in this season would be um, probably not something I want to make them do or make them feel like they have to do. And our volunteers are amazing. Like that family thing you talk about, that's not me. That's just the, this whole community that comes out and supports Twisted Branch. And so that was the biggest, from a safety reason, I guess, from a permitting perspective, that was the thing that was, and an insurance thing, that was the thing that was sticking in my mind the most. And I think the other aspect of it was by the time we had sort of planned out what the race was going to look like, we had like five more aid stations and, you know, heavy on drop bags versus us providing food. And um, a couple of our team members were just like, this doesn't even feel like the Twisted Branch anymore. Like we're sort of gutting it all out and spectators separated and pulled apart. And that's like the best part about the race. It's just this like 
roaming party that happens for 20 hours and then there's this big celebration at the finish line and um yeah so that was that's all that kind of went into it um at the time we canceled it uh usatf who provides our insurance like nobody said no everybody's like go for it have the race so from a permitting perspective i i was clear um i don't know if i would still be that way we have about 35 percent of our runners from out of state so watching what happened with Cayuga 50 uh, this week, I think it was, where New York State starts banning people coming from all over the place into races. So um, I'm not sure by late August what situation we would be in. And I suppose there was a little bit of that where you could plan all you want, but any one of my permits could just be that linchpin as late as mid-August, like really right before the race. And so um, it's not a small undertaking. I'm sure you've, you're aware of all that. And so, yeah, I guess I guess that came into play into play too but I actually had an email to the runner saying it's on we're gonna do it and I slept on it I woke up the next morning deleted that and canceled the race like it was I had a just a change of heart yeah I had Laura on call like is it still happening is it still happening but um and but like just the more and more I hear about it you know it's the smart right decision I mean I'm not saying what Ian's doing is wrong either I mean he but I think it's a little, like, Cuba's a little bit different in that it's not a championship race anymore. Um, also, he's very, like, oh, I'll just reroute the course. Oh, I'll just do this. Whereas, like, Twisted Branch is, like, that's that course. And if you don't run that course, you do not run Twisted Branch. So I understand it's a lot, lot different. And I think you made the right decision. And um, next year will be better. And, you know, we can all just, like, I feel like we just need to, like, Control-Alt-Delete uh like or control z 2020 a little bit like just yeah you know, maybe it'll just be like we just everybody didn't race like i mean because also like the the reason i race ultras at least i mean not really road races but more ultras is like because of the people i mean like sometimes like i mean yeah. that is like a huge thing so when i think about what's happening at hugo or like you know you get your race packet email to you, you show up, you can't talk to anybody, you have a mask on, you start running alone, and you finish alone, and then you have to go. It's like, yep. I could have done that by myself. And yep. I have been doing that by myself. So I might as well keep doing it by myself. And there was there was, I think part of my drive for wanting to put the race on was like, I would, there's, a, there's something about even if it was completely socially distant and it's like you got to the finish line, we're like, okay, hi, bye, you know, nice to see you. Um, there's even that post-race camaraderie conversation, you know, all that post-race post -race chatter uh, and all the connections that are made through the race. Um, like that, and we're, like the virtual races just don't do that. Do you know what I mean? There's, there, I mean, I get it, it's fine. Like I don't wanna put down a virtual race, but it, you miss that, you know, I don't know, all the stuff that happens, you know, both from the race itself and, and all the people that you meet and talk to and see out there. And so that's really what I wanted. I'm like, I feel like everybody's gonna want to run by late August. So we gotta be able to do this. We have to be able to do this. And um, I, I did rely a lot on, on the people that work with me to, I guess, make sure I kept an objective mind. Like I wasn't so stubbornly and blindly going forward, you know, maybe dangerously, but um, but it yeah. is dangerous. Like, this isn't a small thing. No. And, you know, I mean, for example, like, I work in customer service. I'm an essential worker. So I've been, like, dealing with this, like, the front lines. Like, I've worn a mask.
every day for the past four months. Like, and so like today, for example, I had, to, we now get fined $10,000 if we have people not wearing a mask using the regulation in our business. Wow. So like it is dangerous and this is a thing, like it's not going away. And so, I mean, it's a big deal. Like that could happen. I mean, yeah, and yeah. It, I feel like it's a better safe than sorry kind of a situation and races for fun will come back. Yeah. So I've made uh, a lot of contacts through the years. So I actually reached out to every race director I know across the country um, to here. Uh, in this area, um, and every race is different. And so like, just because we canceled Twisted doesn't mean that some other event should or shouldn't happen. So, you know, I'm, I'm like, I love that Ian's moving forward with it and making it happen. Like, and that's the part where I'm like, oh, like maybe I could have been just a little bit more creative. And, you know, I, it's one of those things where I know I'll be able to look back and say regret maybe, but I know I made the right decision in the end. Um, the one I can live with for Twisted. And it's so specific. And really all the races are, you know, just they have all their own little aspects about, I don't know, how, all the mechanics and logistics, how all that works. And Twisted just happens to be, um, I don't know if I want to say the most by any stretch, but it's a complicated race to make happen. It takes a lot of energy, a lot of time all year, and then really all of August, and then certainly ramping up and throughout the day. There are, there are times we finish the race and wonder how the hell it happened. Like, that was a lot. And so we spent a lot of our time, even all year, just trying to make and try to take some of the complexity away. So um, by the time we were done, it was almost like we had a whole new race that we've never run before. And that, that was pretty scary to think about, too, because um, it's it's a little nerve wracking going into Twisted every year. Just, you know, hopefully everything we plan goes exactly. And it's ultra running. You can't plan. Like, I don't know where somebody's gonna fall down or get lost or get hurt or need aid and all that kind of thing. And it happens every year. So. Don't I know. Yeah. My strategy is to skip the race and I just go to the finish line. <laughs> it's not a bad strategy. It's a great it, strategy. The finish line is a great place to be. I will admit that. Um, well, and also to be fair, you we have to think about like, Whenever I am stern with someone about wearing a mask or I'll come take your order outside because like if you don't have a mask, we'll still take your order. You just can't be in here. Or today when I had to call the police on someone who would not leave with and wouldn't wear a mask, I was pacing our dining area. Like whenever I feel like I'm the jerk, it's actually like, no, I'm saving lives. Like that's actually what it is. So you canceling the race. Yeah. Maybe like, I'm sure you and Laura and Chris were all upset about it and like everything, but I don't think you should ever feel like you're disappointing anybody like other people because you're protecting them. That's yep. what this is. This is protection. So um, it's upsetting. Yeah. But like next year will be even better. And I mean, I told like when I talked to you at, Twi at Frozen Branch, I was like, I want to be involved this year. Like, great. And then I was like, maybe next year. <laughs> Yeah, so when we had, at the time, we sort of over-register uh, and then we dwindled down to our, our number. Um, and the feedback I got from the runners was um, a lot of people were relieved that I made the decision for them because I think if I had made the decision to do the race, then they were like, oh, what do I do, right? Do I go? Should I not go? Is yeah. it going to be okay? So there was a lot of relief and thank yous and uh, a lot of uh, sharing in the sort of the bummer that it was to cancel. And it wasn't just Twisted Branch. I think it's in context of everything else that's 
going on in the world too, right? Like it just would have been nice to have a thing happen, which is why I think it's good that Cayuga is happening, right? I think it's needed. Like we, some slice of, of normality is, is, uh, is important these days. Yeah, I definitely agree. I definitely agree. It's just going to be different for a little while. And it's, it's, it's funny, like two months ago, I was like, everybody will get used to this eventually. But people are still trying to fight things. It's like, all right, we need to omit this, omit this situation here. So like, even if you had all the regulations and restrictions, it's like people policing themselves and people don't. So unfortunately, right. even ultra runners, we are the best people, but we have a problem. So, um, I want to talk a little bit about you, Scott, the runner. Okay. So I looked at your ultra sign up and it's basically like muddy sneaker, muddy sneaker, muddy sneaker, muddy sneaker, muddy sneaker, Virgil Crest 50, muddy sneaker, muddy sneaker, maybe a couple of goose adventure racing, muddy sneaker, muddy sneaker, Georgia death race, muddy sneaker, muddy sneaker. And here we are. Yep. So, um, what brings you back to muddy sneaker every year? Because I've run the course and I mean, it's, it's great. I just, it's so fascinating to see an ultra sign up with just one race. Um, it's funny. So I've ran it, uh, I ran it 10 years in a row. Um, and it was the first race I ever ran. Um, I was way underprepared for that. What I had no idea what I was getting into. Um, it's definitely not the record. I think there's people at least with, and I, cause I stopped running it. I didn't run it last year. I, I, I switched to volunteer. So I got to my 10 year anniversary and then I've switched to, you know, helping the goose uh, adventure team with volunteering there and, um, and doing whatever they need for the day. But, uh, so I think it's a little bit of that, uh, nostalgic, like, you know, come back every spring, um, and run that race. I grew up hiking and, um, in fact, how I even discovered the Finger Lakes Trail that Twisted runs on, because there's actually a little bit of shared section on Twisted with the Muddy Sneaker course. Yeah, the demoralizer, uh, right? Uh, the demoralizer, yeah. In fact, yeah. we, we purposely don't do the whole demoralizer, like out of respect for the Muddy Sneaker. Like that hill, the full hill belongs to that race. And so we, because when we got rerouted uh, about three years ago in the High Tour Park there, we were like, oh, we could, you know, we could do this. And then I'm like, no, we can't do that. That, that belongs to. So that I, when we ran the course out of respect, I was like, I'm taking the road back to the car. <laughs> and I got there like a half an hour before everybody else. Yeah. But yeah. I ended up running more. And so I was like, all right, that hill is actually mad respect. So and my route was like this. Yeah. Yeah. So I, uh, I grew up just, I actually lived in South Bristol for a period of time and, and did a lot of just, and so I, I didn't really understand that trail running was a thing. I kind of stumbled on the muddy sneaker and I knew the course just from just exploring and hiking and hanging out with my friends and stuff. So then I just knew. So it's embarrassing. I think there are pictures that exist of this. I didn't own a pair of running shorts. Um, I wore a bathing suit to the first muddy sneaker. Um, that's cute. Did they I'm sure I thought nobody noticed, but I'm sure that's not the case. But, um, but yeah, that's, that's like, you know, Whatever. I, I, See, I, I, I wore bathing suits in my races. No one would even know the difference. Yeah. But I did, I do remember my first race and I remember looking at everybody's shoes and, you know, I'd done road races. I'd done 5Ks. I'd run, you know, I was in cross country actually in high school, uh, my senior year, um, which was almost an accident actually. Um, and that's actually almost what kind of kicked off my running in the, in the beginning. But I looked around and like, these aren't road people. Like all these shoes are tattered and ripped and muddy and disgusting and everybody smells. And like, I just like felt so at home. Like, I'm like, this is, I love this. 
this is so much more my kind of people, right? And then I think Mort and Tim and the Goose Adventure guys put just such a great event on or events on. They've got a lot of good events. And, um, you know, I think in a way, you know, running that and there was a couple seasons, I think I did all of their events around the clock, if you will. Um, but it was, you know, that kind of just like fun torture approach to a trail run was there's definitely a kernel of that in, in inspiration as far as why and how the Twisted Branch got pulled off. So, so you then your was your first 50 miler, um, Virgil, or was yeah. that your first ultra? That was my first ultra. Okay. And did you do that the same year that Sheila did hers? No, I think Sheila was maybe one or two years after me. Yeah. And I had, I had, uh, cut my foot pretty bad about three weeks before the race. So I ran with a, a huge gouge on my right foot that I probably shouldn't have run on. Um, but I had to do it. Like I was as trained as I'd ever been in my life. And so I had to do it. I love that race. That's a, again, that was my first ultra. So how many times have you done it? Just the one time. So it didn't look like there were too many. It was like that one and then GDR. And have you done any other ultras? No. Uh, okay. Not technically. I guess you could count frozen branch. That, that might count as one. Okay. Uh, yeah. That's a 50 K in the winter. Um, that's a whole story. And then, I once, uh, actually the same year of, uh, that I did Jordan's Death Race, I ran uh, Cast a Shadow. I, I, I've always wanted to run Cast a Shadow, which is the uh, six-hour snowshoe event that the Goose Adventure guys put on, and, and I ran the, a 50K distance that, that night. And I was, I've, I've always wanted to do that. So I don't know if that counts officially as an ultra, but I've only done very few ultras, really. Yeah, same. Um, so what made you want to like race direct twisted branch like how did this come up so i you know um i guess this is right around 2010 ish uh, time frame 2010 2011 2012 i was really getting into the finger lakes trail i want to say i tried to end to end the trail that the right races run on hiking with friends and three times somebody's shoe backpack some we, we had to bail every time so then i'm like screw it i'm gonna do it myself and i'm just gonna try to like run through it and do it so i did so i ran uh it wasn't the course as we know it today but it was the beginning of that it's the bristol hills branch um barely made it totally unprepared and re-upped and did it again the next year but when i was doing it the next year i absolutely was had sort of pencil marked on the trail where i thought some aid stations could be and so i was already starting to think like maybe we could actually put a race on here um, i've never been a race director before my racing career is about as limited as you can tell as anybody's um, so it really took me a while to actually wrap my head around, how would you even do this? Like, how would you even begin? So it took, you know, the better part of two years before we made the announcement that it was, uh, it was a race, but it was really just, um, you know, being able to hike and high tour and then like, know that like, you can just keep going, right. You can just keep going South and get all the way to Cuca Lake. And that, as soon as I knew that I'm like, I'm buying maps and this is happening. And so I, I've just, I've always loved the area. So it's probably how the long did it take map. you to do the whole thing? I'd have to look. This is before I even owned a GPS watch. So um, I want to say it was like 13 hours and 14 hours. The longer one was the first attempt. Okay. A whole lot of walking. Um, the first year I did it, I did it without a headlamp somewhere. My friend Jeff that's Garland. hard. I, I have no, a little experience with that. Uh, no, that sucked. As, as anybody that knows me, I never have a headlamp when I need it. So it wasn't a planned thing. Like I'm a tough guy. It's a, 
I probably really should have a headlamp on right now um, because there's no reflective flags. There's no extra course markings. The trail at the time was actually in really bad shape. And, and my notes from doing it solo both years was, you know, there was huge sections of the trail that had completely closed in, was really dilapidated. I got lost both times, significantly lost trying to figure out even where the trail went. And I've been on this trail. Um, so it, um, and that was also part of it. Like we really wanted to revitalize the trail and breathe some new life into it, you know, and that was some of my motivation as well. But yeah, yeah. Uh, successful, but like skin of my teeth, I made it. <laughs> I don't know. So yeah, it was, those were technically, I think my first two ultras was running those, those things back to back. How did Laura and Chris and who's, is there one more person in your? Like, so I've got uh, Laura and Chris and then Matt Bertrand, Jeff Darling, um, and Michelle Fanton. Um, okay. We also work a lot with Colin Bailey. Um, Morton Ace is involved in a lot of ways. Um, I could probably go on for about 30 people that, you know, we've got kind of a crew of six that are really close to it. And then as we get closer, the circle starts to get bigger and bigger and bigger. But there's a lot of people that, that end up getting involved. But that first year, Matt uh, and Chris, um, Laura Howard was just there, I think, volunteering. I don't think she's, she, she hasn't. She was going to run this year. Um, so, yeah, uh, but she was always there. Like, Laura's at every race. Like, yeah. that's how I realized, like, who Laura was. Because every race I showed up at, there she was, volunteering somehow, some way smile on her face, making everybody feel at home and comfortable and telling them what to do. So yeah, I feel so lucky that I know her. It's, it's like, yeah. I just feel like, how did I like, how did this person find me? How did I attract this? Cause I'm a terrible person and she's just like an angel. And I just like, how did I like, how did I get so lucky? Yeah, no, we're all, we are all lucky to have Laura in our running community for sure. You know, I, I, I think she's such an inspiration on so many ways, on so many levels, mm -hmm. you know, from volunteering and trail work and running and adventuring and yeah. Yeah. She's wonderful. Yeah. You guys really do have like a solid, great team. And, um, so putting it on the first year, how'd it go? I thought it was awful. I mean, awful. So like by, by midway through the race, like I'm just bummed. I think the whole thing's falling apart. I think it's a terrible, like I'm, we're failing. Um, probably by 10 o'clock at night, there's two runners that are lost. Um, and we, we just didn't have anybody to, like, I didn't know what to do. Like, so I just, I started taking off down the trail. Cause I'm like, I know where these people are. I know exactly where the trail is. I've done this without a headlamp. I'm going to go find these people. And I, somebody grabbed me and was like, get back here. This is not what the race director should be doing. That's Jeff Darling. That's how I met Jeff Darling. Um, for the first time was there at that aid station at Urbana. Um, by the end of the night, I was, I literally was at the beach, just whipping things into the truck, like maybe cursing as I was doing it. Cause I just thought it was such a disaster. Um, and then I wake up the next morning and it's just this like overflowing, like that was amazing. It was magic. I can't believe this is a thing. And I was like confused. I didn't know what to do. My family was so, I way abused my family that night, uh, to pull off the first twisted branch. And so like all of a sudden these people just start like coming towards me, like somebody like Jeff or Laura or Chris and Matt or whatever. And, and they're like, we can help you make this better. Let's start working at it and really, really getting after it. And so, um, you know, and I mean, even somebody like Roger Oskvig, who's the medical director who came out of the woodwork to help. Um, so, so many people, so many people. Is that that's Dobbin's dad. That's Dobbin's dad. Yeah. Okay. Cause I, yeah. I talked to Dobbin last week and 
uh, yeah, you said it's dad, doctor, like about, the, yeah. Um, that's cool. Yeah, so I, I thought the first year was a failure. I think anybody that experienced the race itself, like sure, there could have been more course markings. There was, there were some, a lot of tweaks that we could make for the runners. Um, you know, I think logistically I saw a total failure, but the runners experienced for the most part, you know, a great time and a great event. And in a lot of it, this is where you start to realize how much volunteers I think mean to the runners and mean to the event, because, you know, I can do all the work and all the planning and try to get all the gear where it needs to go or try to, um, and time and all the stuff. Right. But ultimately like the runners experience is like the trail and the volunteers and the trail speaks for itself and the volunteers in this community are just amazing. Which you know, is another reason it'd be super hard to put it on in a pandemic. Yeah, yeah. And that was um, advice that Ian had given me well, actually early, early on. He probably doesn't even know because we only barely knew each other at that time. But, you know, we talked about Virgil Crest and at that point it would think it was winding down and about to get canceled or not canceled, but he was going to end the race for a lot of reasons. But we talked about volunteers and about burning volunteers out and how important volunteers were from a lifeblood perspective for the race. And that was just like advice for future. And I didn't quite grasp that as well as I do now, um, where I just think, I think they're like 90% of the experience. Well, other than of course the trail and how brutal and hard and awesome it is. But, you know, I think that the volunteers are what, what make the thing so magical and happy and great experience and yeah. Yeah, because they really just like pick you up from the dead, and you, and in Twisted Branch, you experience the dead like six times. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So um, let's talk a little bit about your race experience and just you in general as a runner. So, do you find that you just do you do ultras just like on a Saturday? Like, because I mean, you obviously haven't haven't done like too many races, but you did this whole like fat like you. Twisted Branch basically like are you more of like I'm just gonna go run 30 miles like today and rather than you know make it an event yeah I'm definitely more apt to go out and just try to go make an experience and do something and explore um, more than I am apt to go and sign up for a race um, you know I think the last probably year and a half I've done the least amount of running I've done in 15 years just because I've been struggling with like a lower leg injury, both my legs. And so every time I try to like really start ramping up, um, I feel like I've got to ramp back down. Um, so I sort of you like know what it is. Um, I think it has to do, I want to say lazy feet. I don't think that my, the muscle, so I, I start to get what I feel like is the onset of um, plantar fasciitis. So I feel like the bottoms of my feet are super tight and everything's pulling down on my calves. My calves just throb and I'm like, I just ran five miles, or I just ran six miles. It wasn't long, it wasn't hard, but it doesn't start until probably three or four weeks into the training, ramping up. And so it's like, if I don't back off, it gets worse and worse and worse. So I, I actually attribute a lot of it to, I sit a lot, so I'm in software development. Um, and so I actually think it's more related to my core and core strength and core flexibility and how I stand and what my posture is. So that's really, I've been like, like rebuilding myself for like the last year and a half and I'm finally starting to incorporate enough strength in yoga and into my running or in you know so that I can just go out and tool around and have some fun and most of my running these days is just happening around all the trails that I have around me and I have so many trails that we can we can go to um but you know I see everybody doing all these amazing things and I'm like my mind's already like I can't wait to be 
I want to, I can't wait to do another big thing. Cause it's usually like every couple of years, I'm like really itching to go do something big. So besides Twisted, what are some other big things you've done? Probably the next biggest thing I've done would be um, outside of just like going camping and going out for three, four, five, six days, that kind of thing would be, um, would be Georgia Death Race. That was probably the, the biggest thing I've done in my life, running wise. So let's talk about that. So you did that in 2018. Yeah. And um, why did you sign up for that? Um, I think it was a little bit where I felt like as far as East Coast 100Ks, it was like a sister race to the Twisted Branch, like the Southern version, if you will. And so there was part of me that wanted to just go experience another um, highly sought after um, Western States qualification race. I just wanted to see how somebody else does it, right? I wanted to experience it from a racer's perspective because I can't run Twisted anymore. I have to run, you know, I have to operate Twisted. I can't run it. So there was that, I think. Um, and I, I definitely would admit that it would, it was nice to put my name in the Western States lottery once in my life. Um, I didn't get selected obviously. Um, but I was definitely, uh, there was, there was that aspect to it. Um, so yeah, I think that was it. I think I just wanted a, and I just wanted a big challenge. I just wanted to put something on the calendar and aim for it and try to get after it and see what I could do. So. Well, um, so obviously like, so people watching this, if anybody knows about the whole controversy that just happened surrounding Run Bum Tours with Sean Blanton, the race director of GDR, that like Twisted Branch is like the exact opposite of that. So like, I don't think, um, I don't think you came back with anything like, I, sh I should take this from this race because your race is like exactly opposite of the way that Sean Blanton runs his races but what was your experience i mean you are a straight white male so i assume it probably isn't as bad as like someone like me who would go but um how was your experience well i did have a little bit of an experience and this is me probably nitpicking but um i had submitted actually cast a shadow as a 50k qualifier for the race and they came back and at the time his documentation on the website said you can run a 50k distance race and it might not be it might not prepare you but it will qualify for you so i submitted it and they came back and said no it's not that wasn't hard enough you you didn't that that 50k snowshoe race you just did wasn't hard enough um so i only had a, a little bit more time so i had to go scramble to get another 50k qualifier to, to make the race so it was like a great example of like, this is what your documentation says, run any 50K. So I ran any 50K. And I don't think a cast a shadow in the winter on snowshoes is the easiest thing to do when it's like 13 degrees out all night. That aside, that's how the frozen branch ended up getting invented. Um, we all decided to create a 50K race of our own. And so we created frozen branch and I was myself and uh, Sam were the, the finishers, first finishers of the frozen branch. That's how I qualified for the Georgia death race. I had to invent his, his own bending of his own rules made me create the frozen branch so that I could run the Georgia death race. Uh, from the ashes, you will rise <laughs> from the ashes. Yeah. Um, so when you were down there though, like was the, how, do, how do the, are the races put on? Like, is it, I mean, is it like, I don't know. It just seems kind of icky. Yeah, so um, the area is beautiful. Um, we drove down, uh, or we, sorry, we flew down. We flew down, and I really wanted to be settled Friday because um, I had heard that Friday night and the whole racer meeting was a little bizarre and crazy. 
And I just, that's not well, where I went. He gets drunk, doesn't he? Like, he gets wasted. Yeah. The whole I, I mean, I don't know. But he was definitely walking around with one of the really tall beer cans drinking. And, but the, like, so from my experience, like, we spend a lot of time on Friday night or planning for Friday night. So that whole park setting and the camping and trying to get everybody together, sort of building the community, getting all the vendors there. Um, we're really mindful of just like, you know, and so for Georgia Death Race, we got there and I was, we were funneled into a hotel hallway where we stood for like 50 minutes, like shoulder to shoulder, like think of a COVID, but like the opposite of what you should do. We were all just packed in. And then we get into this little conference room, we're all packed in. And I think they've changed that since then. Um, and it, the meeting just went on and on and on and on and on. Like I didn't really gain anything necessarily from it. Um, and we were just dying. Like it was so, so hot. There was no air. I just wanted to get out of there as fast as I could, but that was the pre-race. And so we went back and slept and the race started the next morning and it was, it wasn't, I don't know, there was nothing uneventful or terrible about it. Um, nothing icky per se, but, um, I just definitely wasn't, I didn't feel connected with anybody else. I didn't meet really anybody else. I didn't, you know, but there was definitely a big crowd there that all had like, you could tell there was like a big following up for him in that, in that race, you know, in the it's room. It's like the old boys club kind of, but like, it's kind of gross and you're not like that. So it's probably, you're probably just like, I'm not into this. So just going to go over here and run and then leave. Yeah. I ended up seeing three or four Twisted Branch fans or racers when I was there. Um, so that was nice. But yeah, I was definitely feeling like underwhelmed. Like I kind of in the back of my mind wished that we had skipped the whole pre-race because it, you know, other than, cause you got to get all of your, you have a mandatory gear set you have to go through and have your whistle and your flag and your, you know, whatever. And so you got to do all that stuff. Um, but I don't know. I don't know that I needed any of that emergency gear at all. Like it's, after experiencing it, I'm like, I have zero plans of making anybody at Twisted run with anything that's mandatory other than their bib and some water. Um, I don't know that I needed all those things, but it's okay. It well, you it. did it. Um, how, how, when, what was your finishing time? Uh, what was it? 20 hours and nine minutes. I think it was something how like that. How long is that race? Uh, I think that year it was like 73 ish, maybe 74. How is it harder than Twisted Branch? Well, it's, it's almost nine miles longer. Uh, so that year, and I know the, the mileage changed. So Twisted Branch is just under probably, arguably 64, maybe close to 65 some years because our course changes too. Um, I think if you added nine more miles of Twisted and Twisted-like trails, I think it's harder. Uh, it doesn't have necessarily the elevation gain um, that the Georgia Death Race has. But again, I think if you added nine more miles and threw another Naples or threw another Hammonds Court in the mix, I think it would be awfully close. It's definitely not the um, it's definitely not the same elevation gain that was being advertised to us, like on his website. Versus when I started really getting people's Stravas from years prior, it was more like sixteen thousand feet gain. It was just different. So it actually, when I started getting those files in from some friends who had run it years before, I actually started to adjust my training back a little bit to really. I trained very very specifically for like feet of climbing per mile was really one of my targets outside of just general fitness and stuff like that, because I wanted to be prepared for the climbing. So I think they're awfully close as far as difficulty, other than of course, it's, it's longer. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's like 75 miles. So yeah. like, <laughs> but yeah. like, I, I'm very uh, conscious, conscious of the road sections. I mean, even if it's like a dirt road in the middle of the woods, like 
you know, so Jeff Darling helps me work with the Finger Lakes trails. And so we work, we spend a lot of time with Finger Lakes trails, trying to look at maps and landowners and try to get more trail out of the trail. Like how can we get off the road? Always. We're always having these thoughts and conversations. We're studying tax maps and stuff like that. And then I go to Georgia death race and it's like, there was like 13 miles of one, like it was just like one big stretch of road, you know, and it was between paved and dirt. Like we were just on this road forever. And I, I just remember being like, like I stopped worrying about Twisted having roads in it after that. Like, I just don't have to worry about that. So I remember the, uh, um, I was not, I, I also remember thinking about our course markings. Uh, that was one of the other takeaways. I came home and I'm like, I really like our course marking system that we invented. Year one, not great. Year two, maybe even worse. But I think after year three, we really dialed in our course marking and the contrast I think was, was huge. I think it's, it was pretty difficult. There were a number of times. So Matt Bertrand paced me the last 30, whatever miles it was. Um, and we were splitting up at times trying to find where the next marker was because it was just so kind of poorly lit and poorly marked, especially at night. And I had a headlamp that time, mandatory. Yeah, it twisted is marked really, really well. I'm just an idiot. <laughs> you gotta be smarter than the road you're running on and that's just, there's not much going on up here. Um, so do you, like, if, you, if you're able to like solve your injuries, are there any races that you'd like to do? Any experiences you'd like to have? Like, what, what do you think, what do you wanna do next? I want to race out west. I would love to go do like for some reason the Wasatch 100 looks super tempting to me. I think um, he did that one, right? Or did he do Massanutten? I think he may have done I both of those. Massanutten would be another one. Um, Grindstone. Um, if I, oh I, my I don't god, know. not that. Yeah, yeah I, I shouldn't do these things. Is you know I actually signed up for Grindstone oh. at one point and then I just decided there was not enough time and I was just not going to be in the shape for it and bailed. So there's definitely things that really attract me to them. Like I want them to be huge and hard and like almost beyond my comprehension for it to be really interesting. And so that's, you know, so that's really what I'm working on right now is just trying to get back to that place. And it's, it's also a time commitment. So I'm a dad and a husband and you know what I mean? I have a house and so I have a lot going on in my life and, and twisted is not a, a minimal thing. So finding the time to throw an ultra into the mix, you know, it's like, it's like I got to find permission from my life to spend a lot more time training and really gearing up for something like that. But it's something I really enjoy and I'm not too old to do it yet. So I think I so got when it. you're out there, like I know I haven't done like a real ultra in like, I don't even know if I ever have. Um, so I know when I can't run, like if I have to hike, I feel like I'm not even racing or like, like how is it, and then I know that's just a mindset because like the best ultra runners, like Jim Wamsley walks, like um, yeah. when you're out there and you want it to be like so hard and just like, is it kind of so you don't have to run? Is it like, oh, yeah, I don't want to run. So I'm just going to pick something real hard and then I can just hike the whole thing. No, I don't think it's that. I, so I think the hard factor for me is I want to get into that sort of dark place personally, like I'm seeking out that thing where your brain is like, you didn't train hard enough. You should quit. There's no way you can finish this. Like, I why just, wouldn't you train hard enough? I don't understand. Yeah. Like why on earth? Like I like right now I'm training like 
probably the same amount of mileage that I would. And like, my goal is like a fast 5k. Like, why wouldn't you train for something? I don't get ultra runners. It's like, I'm just not going to train. And then I'm going to go sign up for this hundred mother. Like, what the fuck? Like, I'm sorry, but why? Well, I, so I don't think it's because I didn't train. I trained my butt, like for Georgia death race, I trained my butt off. I trained harder than I've ever trained. I actually worked with a coach um, that was, I thought really helpful getting ready for it. So it wasn't that I wasn't trained. It's just that when you are running the longer distances, it really becomes, I think for me anyways, my personal experience is I think it's the mental, the mental starts to just, just starts to chirp at you. Right. And I think it's, it's that it's not just overcoming the physical feat, but I think it's overcoming the mental thing that says, I'm not sure you can even do this. I'm not sure you're capable of doing this, even though you trained, even though you've done all the things that you've done. Um, you know, it's when that negativity comes into a race and like you're walking, right. You can almost feel like, I don't, I definitely don't choose these so that I can walk. Um, I'm doing it way more for to, all right, to, a little, to a little bit. Come on. No, no not, just not at all. I, I, there's just, I wish I could, like, I've seen people that are capable of running up some of these hills that I'm hiking, but there's just no, like, it's just, I've, I've never been in that kind of shape in my life from a running. And I don't know that I ever will be, I'd love to be. Um, but like, I, I don't walk like, for the Georgia death race. Like we, um, when I was with Matt, we ended up passing like almost 85 runners on the back half of the course because like, I, I, I wanted to feel like I was racing. I wanted to race even when I was hiking and walking up the steeper hills at the end, like we were, we were moving. We weren't like, you know, slogging, you know what I mean? Just to be like, Hey, let's, you know, that's, that was the beauty of having Matt Bertrand with me is Matt is like, a slave to his watch and how many minutes per mile we're doing and what our average is and we're slowing down so speed up and so he was great with pushing me and um but yeah I want to I want to have that that sort of experience where uh, I need to push myself beyond what I thought was possible especially mid-race when you're exhausted and everything hurts and you just want to stop and you've gone far enough mm -hmm. you know with all those excuses they start to pop in your head and so I I think for me anyways that was that's a big reason for doing these these things and also there's something to be said with like, like you and I, we both live like full lives. Like we're not professionals. We just, and so there's also like a limit to like, sometimes you just can't train enough for some things. Right. You know, like even if you did like have the perfect block or whatever, like, I mean, you can't run a hundred miles in training. Like, so you can't really have that. Like as in some instances, it's like, there is going to be a point where, you know, your body, you don't know if your body can do it. And there is a, there is a beauty to that. So what I, what I really want to try to do as I'm sort of getting back into this is I would like to, um, I want to get into pushing, like, so because I'm training so little right now, but when I start to ramp up, I actually want to push my speed for the first time in my life, which sounds really dumb as a 44-year-old. So Tuesday instead of, morning, you can meet me. <laughs> so I want to start pushing my, my mile per minute, even if it's starting with really doing it at the mile level. I know that sounds super small, but like, that's just where I'm at right now is I'm taking these baby steps, but I don't want to get to big training. So I guess I want to get there and not lose that mindset of, of being able to run fast. I used to be able to run super fast. That was a thing I could do it. So I'm going to try yeah. to get back to that. And I think everybody can do it. It's just yeah. like, the first day, the first day, it's not going to be like, yeah. it's not like you're natural. Like, I mean, our, my coach starts me with like 30 seconds hard. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. And it, it's really hard. And a lot of times, like, 
it's just not even like a pace that is slower than my marathon pace, but you got to start somewhere. And then it just like the repetition, it comes back quick. I think even like if you take your, your qualifying race, which was a sick run, is that, you know, whether it's short or it's super long, like I think it's, it's all super, like if you're really pushing, it's all really hard. Like it really is, right? I think possibly there's an argument that if you're running your best mile, it could be as hard as an ultra, right? Like, yeah. What's uh, Steve Prefontaine's quote? Like, today's a good day to die, right? I mean, he's only running a little bit, but he's giving like everything he's got in his soul to those those few miles. And I think that that's, now I'm not going that far and I'm not that, but like, I think that's kind of, I don't want to lose the speed yet. Uh, and I, and I kind of want to build it in. I think it forces me, I think it's going to force me to help me stay strong and keep form and be really form conscious because otherwise you're just like, you know, ass over elbows looking like an idiot running down the track. couple, yeah. But like even I've noticed like when I want to go for a run, like I'm super tempted to go to that super hilly place, but I know that there's going to either be hiking or super slow. So I've even been trying to, when I run, choose flatter sections to just maintain speed in it. So I'm working on it. That's exciting. It's fun road. too. Yeah. Because every once in a while you'll get one where it just feels good and you feel like you're flying. Yep, exactly. Right, right. That's cool. Um, do you have any like um, FKTs in mind or any like just long trail? Like you, not even if you want to send an FKT, just like a path or something. I don't know. Yeah. So there is, there's one, I, I want to, there's a, I want to circumvent a lake. I don't even think there's a trail around it, but I want to, I want to try to loop this lake. What lake? Yeah. I want to go around Hemlock. Okay. Okay. Cool. Yeah. There's probably somewhere where you can do like Hemlock and Canada's at the same time. And, but I love the Hemlock Lake area right now. And uh, I would love to loop it. It just happens. How many to miles be, is it? I, I have no idea. I mean, if I can draw it on the map, it might be like 20 miles. I oh, think. okay, cool. It's not, it's not super Manageable. long. And then you, if you feel bad, you can do it the next week. Like, it's, right, exactly. It's not, it's not uh, like I said, I don't know what the conditions would be. It's, um, it's a Finger Lake. So it, like every half a mile, there's another waterfall gorge that cuts through the hillside. Mm -hmm. So it all empties down into the lake. So not only are you kind of going up and down these hills, but you got to climb in and out of all these gorges the whole day. So it's beautiful. And I've done a big chunk, big chunks of it, but I've never gone all the way around. So that's, that's kind of something I would do. Now that totally negates the whole idea of running fast on flat areas, but it's definitely something. miles, you can run fast. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what the, I, I think I'd be like navigating in the woods and Oh, okay. Bushwhacking? Bush, there's some bushwhacking involved, too. Does so. your wife and children, do they like to be outside a lot with you and, like, hike and camp? and? Yeah, yeah. Not run, though. Definitely not run. Okay. Like, they're all set with the running part. So, could they crew for dad? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. My wife is, like, the best crew. Oh, like, that's she, great. That's she great. Zero, she has zero sympathy for me. Zero. Oh, well, everybody like, needs that. Like, get yeah. off that chair. She's, yeah, exactly. She's like, get up, whatever, who cares? Yeah. That's cool. She's that's a, cool. no, she's awesome though. She's, uh, and, and she's, uh, she's all about flexibility, keeping moving, yoga. Like she is always, 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 always pushing me that way. Oh, so, that's good. Cause that it really does help. Like it does. Yeah. Especially when you can get into a routine. Yeah. Then you just do it and it's like, oh, it feels so good. Foam rolling. <laughs> Oh, for me, it's the half pigeon. 
I couldn't do a half pigeon to save my life, but now I can do like a really good half pigeon and it just opens up my hips so nicely. Yeah. Gotta do yeah. that. That's my favorite. That's the, the hardest part for me is just like getting on the floor. And then once I'm down there, I don't want to leave. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for spending this evening with me, Scott. We're going to, to close out, we're going to play a game. All right. It's called Ideal Aid Station. So I'm gonna just gonna ask you a couple questions. Just tell me what first comes to your mind. And uh, yeah, that's just what we're gonna do. So uh, favorite salty snack? At an aid station? Yes. Quesadilla. Okay, okay. Um, favorite sweet snack? Mm, I hate sweets, but- uh, That's how I feel like, I'll just I, I would go with like an Oreo or like, like a cookie of some kind. Okay, okay. No frosting? Oh, no, I hate frosting. Yeah, that's not a yeah, Too much for me. Um, favorite hot food. So that's where the quesadillas could go. Oh, I'm a salt potato guy. I'm boring. Oh, those are so good, though. Oh, I guess yeah. I falls into the salty, the salty food, too. But, like, I, I love the, the warm potatoes. Yes, yes. So comforting. Um, favorite sports drink? Uh, I don't know. I'm going to go with, I don't think I have one. Um, I almost never drink sports drinks at all. I'm like a water guy all the way. Okay, favorite non-sports drink? Yeah, like just in the day, I would drink coffee and water almost all, that's all I ever drink. So boring. Hey, I, it I, works. No, no more people need to be like that. I, I try to do the tailwinds uh, and noons and, um, you know, but I just, it, it never done, it, it doesn't digest well with me after a while. I don't know what it is. Uh, the naked tailwind is nice because it is like water, but you're getting some calories. That one's good. Okay. I haven't tried that. Maybe that's worth a try. Yeah. Um, favorite like item at an aid station, like a recovery device or a different pair of something like something. I'd give you watermelon for me. Like, no, like an item, like another oh. item, like, like not food. Not food. Yeah. Like an item. Like, oh, I need to change this, or I really need this at this aid station. I almost want to say a change of socks. I'd be tempted not to take my shoes off, but I think I, I've done this, and I, I, I would, I'm going to go with my socks. Change of socks, that's good. I always say uh, petroleum jelly. <laughs> yeah. Needed. Um, all right, last question. Uh, if you could have one um, a, a running celebrity at, meet you at an aid station, either, at, like, just to be there to give you some cheer, or even if you needed them to pace you, like who would you pick? I'm gonna go with uh, Ann Transon. She's a yes, and yeah. I she brings the best food to every aid station she shows up to. And she could walk forever. Mm -hmm. Right, right with me. Yeah. Well, uh, you passed. You win with the salt right. potato. Yay! I get a salt potato. Yeah. All right. Well, um, where can people find you on the socials or in, or uh, where's the website? Uh, so I'm on uh, twistedbranchtrail.com is for the Twisted Branch, but then I'm on also I'm also on Instagram as well. I don't even know what my Instagram at is. I'm, I'm not only do I not drink sport drinks, but I'm like barely on social media these days. So I don't know. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Facebook. You you can find them. Twisted Branch. You'll find me. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, uh, thank you so much for taking the time to do this, Scott. And uh, I hope to see you and talk to you soon and have a wonderful evening. Thanks, Ellie. Great talking to you. Great talking to you.